You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to the Delirious Nomads podcast, but today... I'm introducing the show. Me, Matt, we're delirious, no mad. Chris couldn't make it because life is terrifying. And he has, you know, things that are more important than his heavy metal label that he does with his friend. <laughs> I am here with a very dear friend of mine, a much hyped guest of the show, the one and only Trevor Sternad. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. What is up, Matt Bacon? <laughs> and the problem with this podcast is that Trevor and I hang out too much. Yeah, so, so this, this could, it could get a little weird here. So. Yeah, so Chris, we apologize in advance. <laughs> um, let's get right into it. You know, I, you know, you and I obviously know each other super well. I wanted to kind of unpack a few things that I don't think you really get into in other interviews. So probably should have prepared more to do that. But what I wanted to kind of get at you about, you know, was you and I have been talking a lot lately about live music coming back, how things are going to start to reemerge, you know, and it feels like things get more optimistic by the day. On a scale of one to 10, how optimistic do you feel? How do you think it's going to go? I feel like I've gone from a six to an eight recently, like going live on uh, Irving Plaza's Instagram and talking about the show we have there coming up and that being the first show like really on the books to the public and you know fans are getting excited they're kind of you know drawing conclusions about a tour and uh i can't go back now like i'm i've accepted that it's gonna happen and i'm like fully you know i'm getting there like i really see the light at the end of the tunnel now and um you know even just going out in public now it's this like I was out last night and it just felt different you know I think I have yeah. people feel relieved you can like sense the relief everywhere and uh you know people seem happy um I was happy just to like be seen emoting you know right <laughs> you know I feel like that's like really lost especially with me like uh I think my 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 mouth says a lot even when I'm not talking <laughs> And now, yeah, and so now you sort of start to feel human again. A little, yeah, like last night specifically, like, yeah, it just felt more normal, felt kind of relaxed. Yeah, dude, if it's indications of what's to come, I mean, as far as I know, every every promoter, you know, like we have the tour cooking for fall, 
which, um, you know, details aren't too far off from the public. I can't divulge too much because they'll cut my nutsack open. You know how that goes. But um, it looks good. Like, the promoters are stoked. Like, everyone believes it's going to happen to that end. So, like, you know, who am I to poop on that? You know, so I'm really, like, slowly warming up to it after, like, some dark times. And, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, if, if anything about the States. You know, I feel like the States are, yeah. I feel like we're getting there, you know. So, you know, what you said about the sense of relief over the city has definitely been like insane to watch, like how much more chill people are than they were three weeks ago. How much does the environment around you impact your mood? I guess a lot, you know, I, I kind of feel like I went through it with New York, you know what I mean? In a way, mm-hmm. just like by being here and living here and you're living so close to so many people and it's really easy to like get a sense of like, the mood that's in the air citywide almost because it's so like tangible and there's just so many people around and stuff. So yeah, you know, I feel like I just sense it all around, you know, where that it's just the tides are yeah. turning and people's spirits are lifting and just like the whole, like, I don't know, like really starting to feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And that one day, you know, far from now, they'll be, we'll find a mask on the ground and be like, yeah, that was whack. Glad that's over. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So, okay, so so here's what I also wanted to ask you about. This is kind of more of a weird technical question. This is the longest gap between Black Dahlia shows ever by a lot. Like, you had the live stream show back in December, mm-hmm. but even still, this is a pretty huge gap. Like, I don't think you've ever been off for six months. That's true, it's true. Yeah. How do you think you're going to get back on the horse? Like, how long are you preparing? Because I'd imagine with a band who tours as much as you do, I imagine you don't have to do that much tour prep normally. But now it's got to be a different beast, right? Yeah, I'm hoping that we'll practice a few more times than we normally would going into a tour. Like Usually it's like two or three days. Yeah, like normally, like you said, we're not apart that for that long. You know what I mean? We're not off duty really for yeah. that long, you know, but there will be, um, yeah, definitely a period of kind of like sharpening everything back up. Going back to even do that stream, I was pretty surprised by how natural like it was after being away so long, you know, so I guess it, it remains to be seen a little bit, but I'd like to be cautious about it and have a little more practice going into it you know what i mean because it's going to be a lot like you said it's going to be kind of a it's going to be a big change it's going to be kind of like scary all over again in a way you know yeah. what i mean to just kind of put yourself out there like that but in another on another sense you know i feel like it's going to be come with that kind of big wave of relief too and uh i won't be surprised if i get a little emotional even for a few shows there you know it's just it's going to be kind of surreal i think and just I'm kind of thankful for the uh, the way it's like shaken people and like made them appreciate music and appreciate all the hard work that we do and kind of like the sacrifice of, of living in vans and shit like that. You know, I hope people have like, you know, they've had time to think about it. They've definitely had time to like take it, you know, realize they've taken it for granted, maybe. So, you know, I'm excited to just like feel that like tangible excitement like that. You know, I definitely have it like brewing inside myself and it's made me way more thankful for what you know i mean i try to be grounded as it is you know but with this band but you know there's been so much time to reflect in ways that i never had because we were always just go 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 and pretty much the credo of the band has been to never stop like to be in this band you you don't 
I don't know. You just, you have to do what we're going to do. Basically. It's like part of what you're signing on for is like always. Yes. And never know, you know? So if there's an opportunity, we're taking it, man. And we had too much pride, I think, to ever slow down or stop. So in a way, like I really needed this and I didn't realize it, um, a kind of reset, you know what I mean? And, um, so yeah, you know, I think I'm walking away from it, um, maybe a bit stronger, like kind of enduring, the trials of like facing yourself that intensely, you yeah. know, with really nothing else to do. I think everybody, everybody in the world must've had to do that during this time. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, I don't know. I think we're all going to come out of this a little bit stronger and I'm just stoked to uh, take another step towards normalcy. And oh, I'd love to, to entertain some folks by screaming like a wet cat. <laughs> I sure do love the heavy metal show <laughs> yeah. down yeah. at down at Irving Plaza. And like the sales for that are like flying already and it's really far out at this point, you know? So I feel yeah. like that's somewhat indicative of the excitement and anticipation people have to get back to live music. And it feels really awesome, man, to just even have one show on the books yeah for people to be like excited about you know like well that's what you were saying with some of the stuff that you have coming up might be some of your biggest stuff ever right yeah i mean yeah you know we've definitely um it, it really hurt to lose a testament tour you know and just kind of have that kind of like dissolve into like purgatory basically but um you know we had to kind of respond pretty quickly after that and start assembling a new tour to headline and uh yeah i'm really proud about the lineup i think it's really awesome and diverse and it's going to be huge man so uh yeah this is a great way to kick things off and get back to it it's definitely going to be crowded i think for a while the uh the touring yeah. scene it definitely is around uh the summer and fall months as it is because you know people can get time off and shit but um yeah i think we're gonna see like too much at once maybe for a while <laughs> maybe yeah. people will uh get back to being burnt out too quickly i'm not sure it's hard to say but um but yeah man i think you know everybody's got to be eager to hit the ground running you know what i mean we weren't the only band like put on ice by this you know um and again you know i'm just i'm thankful for how it kind of played out for us having that new record ready to excrete at that time (laughs) you know just like we could have been stuck with no anything no content prepared no nothing but luckily we had this like, you know, the big storm of press brewing yeah. and um, you know, people being trapped at home, um, all different, you know, people that run different fanzines and websites and shit. We're all stuck at home too, all of a sudden wanting something to do. And that something to do was to talk in circles with me. <laughs> so I had a shit ton of press and, you know, I, I just tried to do as much as I could and, I thought we, you know, had a decent rollout for what it was, you know, for being unprecedented territory. And yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we did it. And in a way, I'm kind of excited to go out and play on a Verminous tour, the big new record, and people will know the songs. They've had time to digest because it's usually we're going out, we're playing these new songs, you know, pretty close to when the album has dropped. And, uh, you know, it takes people a while to, to get caught up. Um, you know, the songs are fast, 
they're densely packed with information at times you know what i mean it's not exactly like a new acdc song you know necessarily um it takes some time to digest and get its hooks in you you know so this could be the first time we're rolling out on the first day of a new album theme tour and people could be out in the crowd knowing all the words you know what i mean so mm-hmm. You know, I'm hoping that all it did was create more anticipation for the new music to be heard live, you know, and um, yeah, you know, I, I hope that uh, that Verminous is still at the boil that I believe it to be, you know. Yeah, I'm kind of curious for the renewal of interest in bands like yours, where it's or in records like that one, rather, where like, I feel like if I'm your average Black Dahlia fan, and then I see a record is coming in or the tour is coming around, I'm going to go dig back into that record in a deep way that I maybe didn't, you know, like, I think you're going to get an interesting extra. Uh, Yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm definitely ready to remind people again, you know, like it's fucking here. Let's do this. So yeah, dude, I hope that uh, it'll bring out another wave of attention to the record. And yeah, it's just interesting because we're just going to hit the ground like it never happened. Basically, you know, I see probably another two or three years ahead of touring on the record, you know, with any luck. You know, uh, we pretty much just kind of feel the demand out and just take it as far as we can, you know, each time we're, you know, we're kind of learning to do that. So Nightbringers was really successful and it saw us dragging the tour process out even longer. You know, there was more, mm-hmm. more places that, that uh, were eager to see us. And, um, you know, we, of course, had to jump at those opportunities. And so, yeah, you know, I'm hoping that this will see us being draped in green and rats and snakes for the next couple years here you know yeah i certainly hope so so does that mean new music is a while away i think so but i'm also kind of the last guy to know too like um i don't i don't think brian's actively writing right now but brandon is somewhat of an enigma anyway as it is like i don't always know what he's up to he's kind of like a private guy and kind of quiet so he could be like well into his secret laboratory by now you know i have no fucking clue and um you know he's a really creative guy if he's not making music for us he's probably making some other kind of music so i mean i wouldn't be surprised if if some something existed towards the 10th black dahlia record you know holy shit (laughs) yeah 10 isn't that wild that's like it's just like so nuts because it's like this is going to be like some dumb old man shit, but I think you'd appreciate it. <laughs> You're like my legacy band, if that makes sense. Like it you're, does. It does. That's, like, re- that's really cool. Like, I, you know. But do you know looked, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, like we looked to, to Cannibal Corpse. You yeah. know what I mean? And for that and like took tons of inspiration on how to have a longevity and to have. Um, yeah a global presence, you know, like we looked to them and I mean, that is a, just hearing you say that is a fucking huge, immense honor. You know what I mean? Because I, I, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's awesome. That's what we hoped for. And yeah, it's just, it's just weird to think about that. Like black Dahlia probably came onto my radar when I was in 2010. So I was 14 years old. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And you were what? You were on album four, maybe album three at that point. Twenty ten. That was uh, Deflorate, so fourth record. Yeah, exactly. So you were still like, you know, you were still figuring it out at that point. 
Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, I'm still growing a lot. And um, I feel like we are still visibly young at that point yeah. <laughs> and still kind of touted as a, a young band, you know, like that was like often in the same sentence as Black Dahlia Murder, like especially around on Hollowed, you know, when we were coming out. Yeah. But in reality, like I wasn't that as young, maybe, you know, like I was already like 21, 22 you know, even when Unhallowed came out. But um, yeah. Corey, the drummer especially, like, he was literally, like, 16 when we started to play together. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, it's weird to be kind of, like, these elder statesmen now. You know, like, there's still, like, an, uh, an even older generation that's still going that we look up to, you know. But, like, now kids come up to me at shows and talk to me like I'm this old wizard, which I'm like slowly realizing that I am an old wizard here. Well, you your know, beard just... isn't big enough yet. Like we need to get like, <laughs> I just turned 40. It could be white enough though. If I grew it out, I'm definitely, that would be um... sick. That would be super <laughs> sick. If you like just leaned into it. Yeah, I am dude. I'm, I'm not going to just for men this shit, dude. I'm, <laughs> I think it's fine. You know, I think that, that women should like rock the grace too. just do it. It's, it's cool. You know, like I think, a an older woman with an, you know, all gray, long hair, dude. It can be beautiful, man. What's I'm not fucking around here. No, I get it. I get it. I, get it. I'm just amazed. I love that this is the track we went down. So y'all, you know me. I, I'm in. <laughs> but we do. Um, I don't even remember what we were talking about. I got distracted by my so, ladies. Yeah, right. No, we're talking about the scene elder thing and how it's sort of like. Oh yeah, yeah. Like kids come up to me now, and you know they're. 15 which was basically the age i was when i started like really getting plugged into metal and death metal and going to shows and um you know they they look at me like i'm this old you know wizard yeah i guess so like i have you know almost toured for 20 years now and we've kind of like seen a few trends come and go and kind of survived um you know like and that was another thing that we saw or at least I saw that that happened, you know, like with Cannibal Corpse was and everybody else, the end of the nineties was not so kind to death metal. You know what I mean? Like after the first kind of big wave came into a huge popularity and then maybe got a little bit oversaturated and people got burnt out. I think around 95, like the, uh, the tides had kind of turned a little bit, you know what I mean? And then you had like new metal come down the pipes and, you know, all different kinds of flavors of heavy music. But, um, you know, um, metal is gonna is gonna wax and wane in popularity. You know what I mean? And different trends are gonna come and go. And um, you know, watching Cannibal Corpse as a legacy band kind of made us realize that. You know, that there's gonna be times that are leaner than others. And you know, the, the underground never goes away. But um, you could definitely safely say that like it's in a giant upswing right now. You know what I mean? Like I, it feels to me like. Uh, just a continuation of this kind of renaissance that I've felt over the last several years, you know, where um, just so much of the youth is getting into this music, you know, and I think that like, you know, it's cliche to say that angry times kind of like bring angry, you know, bring people to angry music as, as therapy, but, you know, like look at the world and look what's, you know, look what's happening and look how many people are, young people are excited about this music, you know, it's definitely always been a kind of therapy for me and an escape from reality and kind of like 
I don't know, like that's my whole thing here with music and with this band and like this is where I fit in. Like in life, I feel like the most out of place, like fish out of water, yeah. you know, like, and so like, I'm just so happy to talk to metalheads and just kind of like shrink the, 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 my view down to like, just what I like Eight and people. love. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And just, um, you know, so like going back to shows is going to be like being just given my, my life back, you know, like just, what i enjoy to do and the people i enjoy to talk to and be around and where i feel the most safe and the most loved and the most you know just you know it's it's gonna be awesome it's something that i really look forward to something that i i cherished already you know but i've been away from for so long that it's just you know multiplied and multiplied i've had so much time to really reflect on this entire ride of being in this band, you know, like maybe I wouldn't have had the same revelations that I've had. Like if I didn't have the entire world stop on us, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I'm coming out of this like 40 years old. I feel like somehow something clicked when I turned 40. I don't really know what it was. Maybe that's kind of cliche to say, but I don't know. I just feel kind of good in my skin here and ready to go back to it. And yeah, I'm just thankful, man. Just thankful that that um, people pulled together, most of them, <laughs> you know, in order to get us here. And yeah, I just want to be back out and just not take it for granted. And, you know, I got a lot of hugs to give and I'm fucking ready to give them. <laughs> yeah. So I have a couple final points I want to get into. First, I want to talk about, um, you know, we always talk about like the Michigan um, metal and hardcore scene, right? I want to talk about a band I discovered on LimeWire when I was a kid. Okay. Biddy's Love Monkey. Talk to me about them. Oh. <laughs> Biddy's Love Monkey is a very fine new metal band from Michigan uh, that featured a bass player named Ryan Bart Williams, who would eventually play in the Black Dahlia murder. And this is really just a super blow the belt attempt to shame Ryan <laughs> into oblivion. <laughs> the whole point of my existence, bro. <laughs> but I, I kind of love um, Ryan's story and like his, his friends and um, yeah. they were all in that band together and they lived like in Ludington, which is like you can't find somewhere in Michigan where there's less going on than Ludington. Sure. Like there it was like a vacation town where people came to like go boating and uh they called the people that came through town cone suckers, you know, like Told me the this. transients that came through for the summer. And uh yeah, they would drive three hours to go see shows in Grand Rapids, and then eventually they made this pact, like basically two bands worth of people to move down to Detroit together and like, kind of like foster, like, you know, at least they had th- those friends, you know? So they came, they made these two bands. Um, and uh, yeah, th- they became like a part of the Detroit scene. And I just like that story. It's, you know, fucking a bunch of yeah. nerds banding together, bringing their nerdery to the thumb of Michigan where other nerds could fucking there check it go. out. <laughs> Ryan, we adore you. Um, 
but what I what I seriously wanted to get into with you was you have a pretty active hand in choosing the lineups that play on Black Dahlia Murder Tours. Can we talk a uh, little bit? Yeah about some of the logic behind that, you know, I don't want to get too, too granular, but I'd love to kind of know what goes through your mind when you're choosing. Right. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's tough. Honestly, it's really tough. Uh, I think what people don't understand are the, like, it's the minutia of the politics going into like asking another band to join you. And, um, you know, the, we will have a budget of course that we're trying to like keep pretty tight so we only have a certain amount of money to offer the other bands. And sometimes like um, it's not what people want to hear. You know what I mean? And sometimes we're on the other end of that when we're negotiating with other bands. And, um, you know, sometimes it's um, legacy and ego kind of stuff. You know, sometimes it's um, just monetary or, you know, like it's, this part of the game is just very sensitive and people don't really th think about what goes into it. You know, they'll yeah. really see that kind of negotiation and the back and forth of like, you know, like put the roster on the bill and like, you know, who is supposed to be where in terms of popularity and things like that are all very important and very, you know, it's hard to make a tour. I feel like any tour we've put together, the lineup you see is plan Z, you know yeah. what I mean? Like very rarely do you reach out to people and the <clears> stars <throat> just perfectly align and the money offers are just perfectly right. And everything just checks out in a way that like, it's a home run. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, I wish it would work that way. Um, but like pretty much going into any tour, the skeleton of the very first lineup is completely comes with an asterisk, basically like there's no, there's no guarantees for anything, totally. you know what I mean? So, but you know, booking for Black Dahlia Murder, like I had to realize over the years that the band wasn't really seen in the same light as I had imagined it would be, or like maybe wanted it to be. To me, I wanted to be considered strictly this death metal band and kind of get props from that scene solely. And um, just the way we looked and the bands that we came up around and things like that, different kind of factors kind of, um stopped that i guess you know what i mean yeah. like people made it made assumptions about us because we had short hair or we were you know <laughs> on a build next to azalea dying who you know like metalcore was really popping off at the time and we were kind of had one foot in that you know what i mean like admittedly we did come from that scene you know like the early demo of the band is like it's a very different black dahlia than you see today and it was you know prayer for cleansing on dying kind of in a blender you know what i mean like yeah. looking up to the uh the pre-b team bam band prayer for cleansing those guys were the gods then but um yeah so i i had to realize that our fans maybe have a different taste than me you know what i mean like if if yeah. if fans consider our band deathcore then they want to see us with deathcore bands probably you know what i mean and um I'm thankful to have such variety out there. Like that's how we fill a room. It's not just because we have one niche of people that like the band, but we've been very fortunate to be this weird kind of breakout band, you know, like this has gotten bigger and more accessible and more popular than I'd ever, ever saw for the band, you know, and really like the biggest turning point I think was the, getting on Ozfest and that just changed the trajectory tremendously. Like I never saw us as being accessible enough to be on that kind of a thing. And this was before you'd see 
behemoth in a parking lot tour in cannibal corpse as well you know what i mean like so yeah uh, it was like just before that basically so you know i was pretty i was skeptical i never saw us being on a sounds of the underground or Ozfest or like getting this kind of high profile love like that and that was really the beginning of realizing that the band was doing something different than i you know you couldn't control the trajectory yourself you can't yeah choose how it plays out it just kind of does and then you can react to it um intelligently or not you know what i mean like i could be having a fit about what people call us and like you know stop my feet about it but in reality like i learned to not give a shit you know if people people can call our, our music um toxic butt music like i don't care like as long as they like it you know what i mean <laughs> like sure. uh, we joke about like if heavy metal never happened sometimes and brian was like you know i think it would have happened and it just would have been called something else and he's like yeah i think maybe like heavy bark you know that would it just would have came out anyway <laughs> so yeah people want to call us heavy bark or whatever like i don't really give a fuck <laughs> you know as long as they're calling us you know so and no matter how deep i get into the scene and how many tiny little cool bands i like or anything like that it's never going to make my band any cooler <laughs> to some people you know what i mean it's just yeah. it's a lost cause to think that way you know be thankful for what you have and you know, I'm thankful that we that we have like so many different kinds of fans. I like seeing the variety. I like being that the center of the Venn diagram. You know what I mean? Sure. That brings different kinds of people together in the underground. And um, you know, we've just we're just a misfit band, I guess. You know, and as much as I wanted to fit in, we just didn't. And um, I'm thankful for how it's played out. And I feel like it's given me a lot more freedom to kind of just entirely be myself you know on stage or just here in the interview forum and i don't know like i said like you know metal and these dealings are like my happy place you know so it's funny that you talk about no matter how many weird little things you uncover people won't think you're cool um <laughs> i was because I, i'm literally i'm literally as we're talking i'm getting trolled by some guy on instagram Who's like, oh, you you know, you don't know fucking know anything. What we'll, we'll fucking scene cred? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I, I people. And yeah, <laughs> dude. I just had, you know what I mean? Like, there's certain people that that Black Dahlia murder is just is never gonna win over. Basically. Totally. And uh, that's okay. I can live with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I well, what I wanted to say too. That's the the flip side of that is the people who do think you're cooler when you start posting about you know, Volvodynia or something. And like, that's one of my favorite parts of TikTok fame has been like, I'll make like a, I'll make a joke about how like, oh yeah, man, you're not just a pebble on a beach. And there'll always be like one dude in the comments, like, you know about Inside Out? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do love how it's all kind of, how it's tied together. And I've always seen like, I don't know, like I've always been, like with one foot in the hardcore scene, I guess, throughout yeah. this entire thing, you know what I mean? And like always yeah. take something away from that scene. And um, so like there is a lot of what Black Dahlia does that was pulled from that. We cut our teeth in that scene, you know, like yeah. really being up close with bands that were DIY, you know, playing early shows with bands like Bane 
that just like awesome. really break down that fourth wall where you know the crowd and the band are one and um you know some metal bands stand up there like they're on some kind of pedestal and they're playing to you as the peasant down there and you know i guess that works as a presence for some you know what i mean but but for me it's just that exchange you know it takes two parties and i really like when it gets like sloppy and stage divey and i can put my mic right in people's mouths there's no barrier per se or you know like i love punk black dahlia shows like those are my favorite ones like the ones where people can really express themselves and go off and i trust the crowd i trust our people so much like i don't feel like we need to be policed in that way sometimes you know so like it's just it's a really good feeling to play those shows and yeah if i had it my way we would play like small rooms in front of everyone if we could you know what i mean like i feel like that's where we really thrive and sure. um it's from kind of where we came up and you know play, playing those hardcore shows and trying to compete with those bands that were so impassioned and also so exciting on stage just whacking at these three chords and we would try to like even then our music was was technical and more in like more difficult than your average hardcore music i'm not trying to slight anybody out there but you know like it was hard to compete with those bands it it, it made us i don't know like just really strive for more to be more like compelling this, yeah yeah more compelling to be like more of a killing machine and more exciting and um just the way that I look at performance is so much taken from punk and it's specifically from Black Flag and Henry Rollins and his like um, just approach to stage presence and music and art. And just like it's I feel like it's a forum to go out there and just completely destroy yourself like in the best way possible. Like if you're not if you don't care about what you're doing, you don't care about your art as you're like presenting it. Like, what's the point? You know, like it's the exchange for me is it's so powerful and it's like a a feeling that you can't quantify or describe even you know like when you're playing a show to your people that love you and you're having that like back and forth of energy and you know the give and take of it all um and the connection i think is just like that's what i miss the most here mm -hmm. you know like that's the purest moment of being in a band that's the really the part that drives everything in being a band, like why you want to make a song, why you want to make a flyer, why you want, you know what I mean? Like, it's all yeah. about that. Honestly, like the records are just a snapshot so you can be caught up to what we're doing. You know what I mean? And it's really about the live show and, and, you know, like it's been the focus, like we realized this was going to be the focus of the band. And like, we, we strive to be a live band, you know, and we think about what music's going to sound like live when we're writing it. And, you know, more so now in our age than we did when we started out, you got to think about, you got to think about your music coming out of the speakers at a windy ass German festival. And you know what I mean? Like trying to make music that's legible in a live situation, even though it's extreme, you know, like there's a kind of give and take on that, that we've like, really realized more over the years and you know like now it's just down to the the details man like i feel like we have the bdm formula but now we just get more intelligent with it and we learn more and we you know yeah i just still feel like there's so much more to do i feel still 
very young creatively in the band. I feel like the group that we have right now is so exciting to work with and so excited to work together that like there's going to be a lot more special music coming down the pipes, I feel like. And I feel like this is a real kind of golden era for us. And it's exciting. Totally. I think that's a good place to call it. Thank you so much for coming on Delirious Nomad. Hey, thanks for having me. Much love, dude. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Weiland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.